episode of Dice Advice. We're a tabletop and RPG podcast where we take your questions, quandaries, tales of valor and debauchery, and we digest them and bring them back to you. As always, I am your host, Jesse, and I'm joined by... I'm John. I'm Saul. I'm Brad. And I'm Harry, a voice from the past. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back, old friend. Hey, good to be back. How was uh how'd the road treat you? Well, the road, the ocean, the train, the plane, they were all pretty good. I got to meet a lot of people and I learned a lot about myself. And I think I'm a better I'm a better person for it. So even though there was no job, um, I went there for nothing virtually. I still had a really good time, and I'm not upset with anyone. That, that's good to hear. I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. I, I, you know, I don't know what kind of chaos would make that happen, but hey, did hey, you to take in the sights? <laughs> oh yeah, the night. Hey, hmm? Uh, so I got a a postage box from you, but it's uh, it, it kind of has a ticking sound, and the name actually has uh, Jesse on it. But I think you got the wrong address. Do you mean to redirect it to him? Well, don't open it. I'll open it when I get there. Leave, leave it for me. <laughs> it's much too late to redirect. <laughs> I'm on my way. Just leave it there on the de- on the doorstep. I'll get it when I get there. I'm sure it's a new watch. I'm sure it's a new watch. Thanking you for my career. So nine times have. out of ten, it's a dildo. <laughs> well, what kind of dildo ticks? Ticking time. Modern dildo. bombs don't tick. Oh, don't the, you remember the movie? The best kind of dildos. <laughs> <laughs> all right without further ado guys let's crack right into it we're going to do a lightning round episode uh this first one comes to us from og Wiz to the lords of lore i beseech thee it is i og Wiz. please hear my humble request i was listening to one of my favorite actual play podcasts recently this group typically does an amazing job staying true to their characters and even in minor situations and scrapes they force themselves to work it out in gameplay However, during this recent session, they were fighting the big bad and started breaking character and metagaming hard. The DM never called them on it. What is your advice on metagaming and tabletop RPGs? I think there's a fair amount of gray area that needs to be respected. But if they were doing it hard overboard leaning towards we're we're just going to discuss our next moves before we make it as a team like that it just doesn't sound it just doesn't sound right to me i mean in my humble opinion i i think you are a team there's a time and a place for everything and i and i don't think in the midst of battle it's fair whether it's the big bad or whether it's a goblin or whether it's a slime on a tree it, it doesn't seem fair to me that you would try to get advantage it's like if if I have a, a hard question on a test and I say, well, let me kick it out to the group real quick. It's like we're all supposed to be a Swiss army knife of a team that we all, one of us is a spoon, one of us is a sword, one of us is a, a fork, one of us is a toothpick. Oh, uh, a toothpick was where I was going to go. But if some people were... <laughs> Wait, wait, but, he had a whole quick. thing for toothpick. Uh, what Swiss army <laughs> knife do you have that has a sword in it? And a spoon. <laughs> <Toothpick>. <laughs> they normally have a toothpick, though. <laughs> I mean, uh, 
a little knife, but that's an impressive Swiss Army knife. All of mine have swords. Yeah, the, I, the ones from Switzerland all come with swords. It's part of my heritage. I'll tell that's, you all about it. You know, it. I, mine's from Boy Scouts. That's my problem. Yep. Uh, American-made bullshit. No, but I mean, <laughs> I think Harry's making a really good point, and I like to look at it from you know multiple perspectives. But you know, main, namely the technical perspective. I mean, we're in battle, right? What is it? Uh, Ten seconds per round or something? How does it work? Six. Six, six seconds per round. So ten Assuming rounds. Assuming D and D. Yeah, assuming D&D, I guess. Let, let's just caveat that. But 10 rounds of combat, it means that everybody at the table is making an action each time that happens 10 times. That's a, only a minute, right? If In yeah. real game time. So you can't really... I mean, it's not feasible to be able to talk to each other outside mm -hmm. of what your character would be doing. Now, I, I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, Harry, too. Like... You should be a, given a little bit of leeway, right? This is we got to break the fourth wall every now and then to to actually pro propel it forward and to like you know make the decisions that are going to help us get to the next plot point or the next action or whatever. I get that, but uh, it sounds like this question asker is talking about um, you know a group that he's listened to for a while who've been very good at like playing to their characters, even in really uh, minor situations. From the question asker's perspective, it sounds like these guys did a kind of flip script, right? At the last second, because they got under, they got put under stress. Yeah. And you can't have your cake and eat it too. If you're, if you're right. playing a game for a certain amount of sessions and you are making the strict ruling, we're going to play it as the characters play it. We're playing real time as close to it as we can get. And then as soon as something serious comes along, we start hamming and hauling and, you know, having side conversations about what to do. It's a yeah. little weird. I mean, it's one thing to like kind of have the meta bleed into what the characters are doing. But, you know, I just imagine like if you're if you're having this big boss fight and it's, uh, you know, spans how, you know, miles of distance or whatever and you're fighting huge monsters or, or whatever and all the parties spread out or something i could imagine how that would be kind of problematic right if you're trying to metagame during mm -hmm. that I, I think it's it's got to be very frustrating to see a group fall apart not to fall apart in the sense of uh keeping in line with with what's been expected of them and and that's got to be pretty upsetting but as as somebody who does do this you know as a hobby i understand completely how sometimes you can drop the ball in game and maybe they just they went down a bad road and kept following it but uh but sometimes you drop the ball as somebody who's trying to record content like you're just trying to have fun that's that's my first and foremost but then also i'm trying to be aware that i'm pr trying to provide uh entertaining quality and um uh, content for other people and sometimes like i even i dropped i know for myself i dropped the ball all the time where i'm just like oh fuck what was i thinking i you know i could have but done I mean, better you're pretty good at about like hey let's get into character to make this decision you know i think that you, you've done a pretty good job and i and also think you're being a little probably a little too uh lenient. nice and yeah. lenient about this i mean you know what I'm saying? Like you're, you, you're, uh, you're being, you know, you're letting them get uh, away with it. 
not to toot our horn, but like we do things in character on our other show, which which actually slow down the action or screw us up. And I think that's maybe that is to the detriment of the show. Maybe that's to the detriment of the content, possibly. But I think it's it's faithful. Um, I think it, you guys definitely meta, but not in the way which most people think of meta gameplay. Like you were saying, you guys stay in character very, very extensively. And so with that being said, though, you guys do meta because you in the sense that you go, how would my character react to this? And you asked to you guys ask each other, call each other out. <laughs> out of yeah, that's I mean, true. I, that's totally cool. I'm down with that. But like, I'm just imagining, you know, let's put ourselves in. The, what 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 spells do you have prepared? Can, can I do this? <laughs> will this right. will this will this set me up for success on my next turn? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Right. Actually, I'm okay with that. Really? Yeah. So here's the thing. I like you guys brought in time. The average person speaks 125 words per minute. That's roughly 12 words a second, uh, every, every six seconds. That's a phrase in the middle of battle. Hey, what spell do you got? I got fireball cast it. But uh, here's well, my caveat. Here's my like counterpoint to that. If you're in battle with a big bad, Right, mm -hmm. super powerful wizard and smart and clever and like get getting you at every turn, and you're calling out to your buddies like cast this spell or what should I do next? Like they're gonna get you. They're gonna stop that. They're gonna be able to figure. Like you're you're telegraphing your your next move. But if I you're think... fighting the big bad, you guys tend well, by that time you should have telepathy. <laughs> wow come on okay telepathy aside let's consider it depends on what your situation ent entails as well because if your big bad is a big ass minotaur and he doesn't speak english all he does is grunt that's true we can, we can talk back and forth till, till we're blue in the face he'll have no idea what mm -hmm. we're about but if we're like you said with a wizard he speaks perfect you know common tongue and he's, you know, if you say like, hey, uh, throw a rock near his feet and, you know, we'll start this party, you know, whatever. He's obviously going to hear that and make a judgment call. So I think it depends on the parameters of the situation as well. If you're fighting a, a creature or a humanoid that understands what you're actually saying, I think I think how realistic you make the scenario is based upon. I think it could go both ways of being very cool or very shitty. See, you guys crack me up because you are so adverse to metagaming that you haven't even really talked about really what metagaming is. You're talking about like having a small conversation, like, you know, we're talking about spells and stuff. But really, metagaming is going, Doc, I know you can do X amount of damage per round. Let's yeah. sit down and figure out right now in the middle of this battle, we're going to stop, well, set aside the, the role playing and do the mathematical calculations on how to beat this boss. Well, I think that's one way to look at it, but I mean, another way in my kind of perspective on metagaming is that you're you're having a conversation among, amongst players at the mm -hmm. table to try to strategize on how to um, ha how to gain success in this particular situation, mm -hmm. and as as opposed to acting uh within the confines of who your character is and the confines of the particular situation that your character might yeah. be in like if you're if silence is cast on you or if you're like entangled with vines or there's some sort of like situation that you're 
character is somehow constricted or restricted by then and and you try to to do something as a player that he the character would not be able to do that's metagaming to me so uh, doc just to sum up your kind of opinion is uh, of metagaming would be anything or essentially using player only knowledge to influence a character's decision yep yep i agree i agree with that uh, I'm with Saul personally on this. I, I don't think a little bit of back and forth, uh, verbal back and forth is fine. I think the problem gets to if it's the entire table stops and the action stops and you're sitting there for 10 minutes in the middle of the battle planning things out. Or if you're basically anything, anytime there's like a time crunch or even just in a serious manner using player knowledge versus character knowledge. Um, I think that's that's more so when it becomes an issue. It sounds like from the question that it, it did lean more towards the becoming the issue side. Um, I, I don't know the scene personally, but it, if it's extensive and it interrupts the flow of everything, I think that's when it's an issue. Yeah, that's and, a fair point. And Brad, that's, I was going to say, that's a great point. And my thing is, if if and when, as a DM, we see that happening, the, the party flips script. The party's been doing ABC. And then during this tough encounter, they decide that they want to really start planning and they slow this stuff down. What do we do as a DM? Is that what, what I mean, what's what's the way to like excise that? Personally, I would shut that shit down. I don't think that's like I think that is uh cheating. You're cheating at the game, right? You've been doing it mm-hmm. this you're doing you've been it. doing it a way ABC this whole time. Now you're doing it XYZ. I I'm not cool with that. I would shut what? that shit down right then and say, "Hey, you're not acting in you're not you're not playing in character." And in this situation, you you would need to make these decisions in character. Otherwise, like that that there's going to be consequences. That, that's, that's personally that's pretty harsh. I I totally disagree with that. I would I would totally agree with stopping the session, but then stopping and going, "Hey, this is well, out of character. What's going on? Is this encounter too hard?" I I think this is to to circle back around to how I would say it. What, how would you guys recommend going about it in a, in a, a, uh, in a delicate way? I think what what Saul said was, was perfect because it, it also um, makes it non-confrontational. The way he put it is instead of saying you guys are doing bad, it says, what am I doing wrong? What is wrong? And how can I help? I wasn't trying to be confrontational. No, 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 nobody thinks you were. I, I, I'd like to like it. I think you were. I'm not going <laughs> to sugarcoat it. <laughs> if, you were, <laughs> if you said that to me as a player, I'd be you're, like, what the you're, hell? You're, okay. You gave me this final ball. Okay. <clears throat> let me let me just put it to you in the context of how I, I'm envisioning it. Right. We're playing like I'm the DM and you're one of my um, you're, you're in the party with me and we've been playing for three years. And this whole time you've been very good about acting out your character right and and you're you're great at that and the whole party is great at that and you and you kind of defer to acting in the character mm-hmm. we get to a very stressful situation and your uh, your character maybe is like separated from the rest of the group or like you in one of those situations i was saying earlier you're entangled or you're under silence or uh whatever and you're trying to strategize with the other players to to figure out how to be successful in this encounter when it's like honestly 
not something that your characters would be able to do realistically. And I said, I don't, you know, that's not going to work for us. You're going to have to figure out how to do it within like as a care, as your characters. Mm -hmm. Is that harsh? I, the, I would say the way you originally came off. Yes. Um, oh, okay. But I would right. say that also you have to remember that, for example, let's say I got you guys to the final boss, right? <clears throat> you guys have been together for three years. And then I banish you using a shitty spell that really I shouldn't have done because I could have kept I should have kept you as a DM in the action entertained. Now your friends are dying. I kill off Hagar. I tr I'm trying to take total party kill you guys. That's going to make you frustrated as a player because you're just sitting there going, I can't do anything. What can I do? Can I help? Can I give some uh, like back you know, backseat driving advice at least? Like from a player's perspective, when you're talking about the big bad guy, like this is. This is like graduation and being asked to sit out of the graduation. I, I can see that for sure. I, I think that does come with a grain of salt in the sense that we're, sure. we're discussing like what the DM is, um, what, what the DM is, is leaning forward to do. So like if the DM's going out of his way to fuck with us, he, yeah. he's going to, he's going to provoke that. And I think at that point he's got to be, you know, he, he's got to be kind of more lenient in the sense that I'm going to, I'll allow it. But it better be going somewhere. I guess it's well, all a spectrum, right? It depends on the DM, and it depends on how how they the table wants to deal with it. I guess back to our caveat: there's, <laughs> the table, um, anything goes. Yep, we're there's, fucked. Can't there's, cancel there's, the podcast. There's two points <laughs> I'd like to make. One is that um, it seems like you could almost liken metagaming to insider trading. Yeah. Where it's like there's a certain amount of information that's acceptable, and then too much is too much. We got to shut shit down. And Holy then, gonna, shit! I thought Look you were going to say uh, it's only bad. Martha Stewart hard. and Snoop Dogg. Sorry. Hey, they're besties, man. <laughs> and and the second thing I was going to say is that um, I think, as you said, to combat that troublesome issue. I think one of the cool things that you could maybe do as a DM would be to set the pace to set the boundary lines of what's acceptable and what's not, the DM could also push a pace that doesn't allow for you to have time to metagame. Yeah, so that's true. While you're trying to deliberate, hey, we should add up our hit points and this and that, and your AC's what? And as soon as you, as soon as your players start going into that, let's start adding things up, you could, okay, well, while you guys are trying to figure shit out, the Minotaur swings the axe and mm -hmm. one of you, you know, is catching a blow to the knee. So, it's you could I think by setting the pace, you could definitely set the tone, set that boundary line of what's acceptable for us to stop what we're doing to try to figure out our next step. Yeah, I, like I think that. we have a lot of good answers here, a lot of good different perspectives, too. Uh, but I think it often run, goes down to what our caveat is, which is, you know, it's your table. Yeah, exactly. And I think on that note, we better scoot it along. Let's go on to the next question. <laughs> All right, this next one comes to us from Old Toby. How do you recommend starting a D&D &D group where there once was none? Reaching out, recruiting new players for a campaign, and starting a community. And this is kind of interesting to me because I feel like we we have been playing together for a while. It's kind of it's been a while since we've had to do this. Yeah, really spoiled. I think we are. I uh I mean, I, I can jump in to briefly. I don't want to ho hog the spotlight or anything, but um, I'll, I can talk about uh, a work campaign that we did, which it was uh, pretty fun because 
we had at least it was me and at least one or two other guys in the work in the office who already like knew about D&D and were like interested in playing D&D and I think it also had to do with the fact that we were doing it um during work hours so they were really <laughs> excited about doing it anyway I think Colville really I don't know if he talks about this specifically, Matt Colville or not, but I, I know that in watching some of his videos, he talks about how he has work uh, groups and he has like friend groups and stuff that he does campaigns with. But I think that's a cool way to, to go about it. I mean, honestly, for me, it, the social aspect of it is a little bit awkward. Just putting it out there to people that, you know, because you have work friends that are friends at work and they're like not really on the same level as your other friends. You know, we all know those little social groups. And so it might be a little bit awkward at first to kind of put that out there. But uh, I think that once you get a little foot in the door or you kind of peel back the, uh, the, the onion layer a little bit on one or two people and you find out that they might be interested in, they're at least interested in fantasy uh, and they might know a little bit about RPGs, whether or not it be like playing World of Warcraft or whatever. Like one of the coworkers, she had played World of Warcraft for years, and she was like all about um, DPS, which is something I didn't know about. Apparently, it's damage per second or something yeah. like that, right? Bro. So, and that was like her incentive to like create a paladin because she really wanted to fight and uh, get, get, uh, do a lot of damage. So, my um, my. My point is kind of like not not a great point, but I want to bounce off of yours because in this new group of workers that I'm in, uh, these uh, cable guys, these rough and tumble cable guys, uh, in one of those get to know each other exercises, I mentioned the D&D podcast, and I thought nobody would understand what they were talking about. Most of them weren't really knowledgeable about D&D period, but I found common ground with about 60% of them. That's cool. Sp specifically because of MMOs, uh, Warcraft. Um, a couple of them uh, were like, well, I don't really know about D&D, but did you play Fable? And like, <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. And and we just, we branched off and we, you know, we have, we found common ground because of that. And uh, you know, that's one of those things. Not to derail you completely, but. No, no, no. And the, the other, the last thing I'll say too is I, we had a guy, he didn't know anything about fantasy, D&D, role-playing, whatever. He kind of reluctantly joined us in for a few sessions. He named his character Dildo Baggins, which was kind of like, you know, a joke. Uh, like, I don't care about this, whatever. It was cool because he participated. But I think the, the, the best thing about it is the way I looked, the way I like to look at it, it was a, it was a team-building exercise. We got people involved in a complex um, game that required uh, coming together to solve problems as a team, collective storytelling, all of these things are relationships, interpersonal yeah. relationships, a social playground. All of these things are really helpful no matter what walk of life you're in or Amen. no matter who you are. And that we just did it in the context of D&D, &D, which I think you know, I want to write a dissertation about this maybe one day that you can use that for human resources and like helping, you know, people with mental illness and, and all this other stuff. Like, I think it's a really cool way to uh, engage people in a, in a situation that they wouldn't otherwise be uncomfortable or be resistant to. So all of that stuff is like normal, everyday, like social human stuff that we need to work on and develop and but 
we just do it in the world of D&D, which kind of is a way to sell it to people, I think. Could could we boil that point down into like reach out to your, you know, reach out to your workforce, reach out to the people that you already know and find common ground? Yeah, 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 for sure. Find find uh find find other fandoms find, <laughs> it, it, to, to link my point back in find other fandoms find people with a like mind who don't necessarily have that same skill set recruit i just wanted to say um i like to use D D as an icebreaker sometimes just when i'm getting to know people um just, just i'll just bring it up casual like yeah sometimes you know oh what are you doing this weekend are you doing this weekend oh me and my friends we get together, you know, we play D&D, this and that, and it just, it's like, if you want to put me in a box, go ahead, put me in a box, whatever you got to do, but this is me being me, having fun with my friends, and, uh, but I'll just, I'll tell anybody, though, I mean, I'm talking, like, cute girls, gangsters, I don't care who it is, like, I tell them all, like, yeah, yeah, like, I love D&D, and um, mm-hmm. it's, as long as you're doing what you love, I think that's, that's where it really I think, I think that's a really good point because I don't think you should ever box in anybody and in, into what you think they might enjoy or not enjoy. Um, I've met some really uh, diverse groups of people from where I jumped careers and I played D&D with pretty much every group of these people. When I was in the army, I played with D&D. When I was a team leader at Target, I played D&D. When I was sales, I did D&D. And it was just interesting how like people who you would be like, oh, this guy is a country music lover big loves his big old truck and you know needs to work on the farm every day he ain't gonna like D. &D. and next thing you know he's coming in with like a halfling rogue who's was you know abandoned as child and she needs to you know find her family to regain her inheritance and i'm like what the <laughs> hell did that come from bro and he, he's like oh no i just read this book and i like it he said guess, guess what guess what motherfucker <laughs> I mean, so cool, right? They think you can, you know, don't judge a book by its cover because the, these diverse people can really surprise you with the creative energy that they have hidden away that maybe they haven't been able to explore before or exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Harry's point is great too because, uh, sorry, Brad. Um, I think Harry's point is great too because, like, if you want to put me in that box, I'm going to put you back in a different box uh, as somebody who's not open minded. I mean, I think uh, we touched this previously um, in one of the episodes, uh, but one thing I think that is great is right now playing D&D and just in general geeky, nerdy things are is so much more socially acceptable um, than, you know, five, ten years ago. And it's easier where, you know, people who might have had that because of that stigma might have been reluctant to, you know, play D&D or anything now since it's so more you know so much more mainstream there that reluctance isn't as much there or they might give it a shot where they might not have previously mm. i mean i also feel like i don't know i i, I don't like the whole mainstream thing because it also simplifies things a lot and it kind of like it does create more stereotypes wait so did you like the constitution before it was signed huh <laughs> are you like a hipster no no avocado no. toast uh, I also don't like our, I didn't like our current constitution. That's why I supported, you know, support more amendments. So, mm -hmm. oh gosh, let's not get political. To be fair, guys, I want you guys to know to in the fair. constitution, there is ways to change the constitution called amendments. 
Amen. Something and I like avocado toast. <laughs> I do. I do too. I think avocado tastes like grass. I don't know. I love All avocado, right. bro. Get back to the question. Not that I take the hipster stance. The issue is that you get a lot more creativity, which is great. I love that there's a whole bunch of game systems out there, a lot of role-playing systems. The problem is it also becomes um, almost, when I say mainstream, I mean more along the lines of uh, corporate, like big, like you know, AAA titles in video games. Yeah. Sometimes they can betray their audiences and they put profit over people, and that's not good. And yeah, I don't yeah. want to see oh, the dice when you video game down. industry does that, in a, like in every aspect. Yeah, and I don't like. Yes. You know, we talked about this with three point five, where they had like, you know, sixty different manuals. But each manual, I felt like I was getting a purchase. Like I felt like when I buy this, I'm getting something out of it. Um. I would hate to see, you know, microtransactions of I'll sell you a class for a dollar from Wizard of the Coast. Although I do like being able to buy. Sigil, shut up. You're a minority. <laughs> Don't ever talk. <laughs> no, I was. I, gonna say, buy- I was actually for the artificer. You can you can get it for the character builder for like three nine nine. As much as I hate it, I, I think like buying the whole. I, I want to buy the Joe Exotic skin for my character. Yes, I, I, I was. <laughs> I'd like to say I I, I want to shout out to uh, Rowan Rook and Decker. Do you guys know about them? No, no. Please enlighten me. The, uh, Rowan Rook and Deckard and also Drive Through RPG. They do a lot of cool stuff. They have some like obscure tabletop stuff that you wouldn't really see out in the mainstream. And it's also a lot of it is like donate or pay what you uh, feel is appropriate kind of stuff. I love to get that. those downloadable RPG or you're the hipster, but yeah, EFs and stuff. All right, well, yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I have a different definition of hipster than you do, but we can pay, talk about pay that what another you can. time. No, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're hip, you're hip. Uh, but anyway, like I, I just want to shout out to them because it's cool. Um, I, I've mentioned him a lot on this podcast, but Grant Howitt, he's done all a lot of those one page, um, one shots like Honey Heist and all this other weird uh cool stuff that's out there and that's he, you know he he released a lot of his stuff on Rowan Rook and Deckard and uh mm-hmm. anyway it's all talking about mainstream made me think of that um yeah. and I want to support them and put you know their stuff nice out there. yeah I I'm not against like Unearth Arcana which I think is brilliant but I'd rather have like a lot of free content that you give me like these like the artificer and then at the end of the day you sell me a comp- a composed you know, manuscript of all the classes you released in one like easy to read format. Yeah, once it gets edited and like polished yeah. up and stuff. So you're more of like an avocado grilled cheese sandwich kind of guy. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that translates to hipster, but but once it hits the mainstream, it becomes commercialized. I fuck mm-hmm. with that. It's Walmart, it's Amazon, it's it's how they think we think we would like things to be. And that's, and that's never, how, you're never going to satisfy anyone <laughs> if you try to satisfy everyone. And they're going to try to satisfy everyone. And we're and good at satisfying ourselves, not to be pervs about it. Yep. Dude, I'm, I'm, how the earth is dying because of <laughs> consumerism. But. Well, I thought you were talking about self-satisfaction. Which, and yeah. self-satisfaction. Let's hit this uh, homebrew item, yeah. man. Are you ready for that? Are you talking yeah, about it? Are you talking about Homebrew items. Do they suck or are they red? Oh, yeah. Damn, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to blow you the load no, too early. No, oh. that was perfect. Nah, that's, no, I, I, don't worry. I say that to my wife every time. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so early in the relationship. 
Hey, oh, man, it, it stops eventually, so he needs to get it as, as often as possible. <laughs> At least that's what Sigil says. <laughs> oh, got him. Ouch. I'm the outlier. I'm the outlier. That was a heavy bus you just threw me under. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, Sigil. Oh, God. yeah, man. What's going on, dog? <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Brad. I love you. Fisted, uh -huh. somebody cereal. <laughs> well, well, maybe our dongs could use a, a shot of this. This homebrew item is called the injection of dawn poison. <laughs> All right, the injection of dawn poison is uh, labeled as an uncommon poison. Damage is one one piercing into the bloodstream. The syringe is a simple melee weapon and has the light and finesse properties. On a successful attack, you may inject the contents of the syringe into the bloodstream of a creature. The creature has to make a constitution saving throw, DC 15. On a failed save, they receive 4d6 poison damage and become vulnerable to radiant damage. On a successful save, they only take half damage. If the target is immune to radiant damage, they become resistant. If the target is resistant to radiant damage, they lose the resistance. The poison lasts for one hour or until cured. A creature can only be affected once with this poison every 24 hours. This poison only works if it is injected directly into the blood through a syringe. And real quick, I just want to mention it's uh, the credit is uh, to Instagram at bonus underscore action. Uh, they also have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash bonus action. Check them out. Anything that gets poison into play, I'm it's already going to get like a, at least a five for me. It's something that like I want to see work in D&D &D, and mm -hmm. I don't think it's been done. It's been done, but not great in the past. Yeah. So anything that, that gets this in the plane, I don't think it's a bad item. I like it. Um, but Do you yeah. feel like this is like a pre combat or like a separate? I mean, yeah, let's talk about the mechanics of this. How can you get this injected into your enemy? Really? A rogue. You're rogue. Yeah. I, it, so it, it, you can do it in the middle of battle. It says on a, uh, on a successful attack. So, yes. I mean, you could do it in the middle of battle, but yeah, I, I feel so. like possibly it might work itself better pre or post or, or separate from combat altogether. But it's a simple melee weapon and has a light and finesse property. So that means you roll an attack to hit, mm -hmm. right? And you add your modifiers. Yeah. Yep. And finesse so if it gets through their AC, then yep. it attacks them. Yeah. Everybody should be able to get their their you know base whatever strength or dex mm -hmm. and it's a simple melee so everybody's got i think proficiency in that get your yeah. even a barbarian oh. even yeah. a barbarian can jam this in there yeah. so i mean the, but you know it shouldn't be bad what really has me fucked up is the duration mm -hmm. so if if the damage is four die six and you you're successful and now you're susceptible to radiant or whatever so then it's saying that the poison lasts for an hour. Does that mean you can't use it again for an hour? 24, 24 hours. They can't get well, it again. Well, a creature can only be affected once. I mean, well, I, wait, I, wait. it doesn't oh. say how much poison you have, but you can affect multiple creatures. Yeah, right, time, right. Yeah, that I, is actually a good question. You can only hit nothing. one creature a day. Oh, Maybe. I, I think this is a one-time use item. I, don't I, I was a, thinking of it the same way. I, yeah. I, I, would, rule it, I would rule it as a one-time shot. Like you're gonna have to put more poison. You have to prepare more poison. Like right, poison. right. And so basically, it really only matters if you have a like opponent that is resistant or immune to radiant damage, and you want to do some radiant damage on yeah. them. Yeah, 
Or if you're just trying to sneak a kill in nice and quiet, you know. Well, the injection of Dawn poison? 46 poison damage ain't nothing to shake a stick at. That's true. No, that's a nice hit. <laughs> well, the name itself kind of leads me to believe it's kind of anti-vampire or anti-undead. Like, Dawn right. Dawn poison. But so the like, problem is say... they don't have blood. <clears> hmm. <throat> this is against Celestials. Ooh. Well, are they... Yeah, who's right? Because they're resistant to Radiant. Yeah. Is yeah, there uh, is there anything that's like immune to piercing damage? I don't know. Uh, As a so, barbarian, but, I'm resistant, but I don't um, think th I don't think there's immune damage. I think it's like there's an only is there immune okay. to well, piercing because yeah. I think you at least do one point of damage, which is well. It was more so, uh, you know, is there anything out there that would completely negate this from like and I'm trying to stab this? Yeah, 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 something made out of stone. Yeah, but you know, on that point, it said blood. That's the issue. Blood. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I so, guess it, it does take a little bit of a DM fiat to make it work in some instances or not work. Well, I'm, to still, be honest I'm with you, still on the boat, though. I, I kind of went instantly to DM mode, and I was like, dude, I would, I would kind of screw the player a little bit, screw with them at least, and say, oh, you only got half of it off. It's only going to do 2d6, but you still have half a vial, but you can't hit this guy for 24 hours. You know what I mean? I don't know. So the, the wheel started spinning. I, personally, like I don't, I wouldn't even punish my players for using this. Like I do think the forty six is a little heavy. This is definitely going to be something that's used in a later and later the campaign. But I would introduce this at level one, but without the without the forty six poison damage. Um, and so I would love to see this up, uh, radiant. Yeah, and I would love to see this actually in like instead of like just dawn poison, you get, like fire poison, ice poison, like a variety. You know, you, definitely. If your rogue can hit the fire resistant, you know, enemy with a, you know, a poison that'll remove his resistance, that makes that that just changes the whole tactical perspective of poisons. I love it. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm sensing a little bit of a theme because like a lot of these items, a couple of these, at least we say we love this. Let's see five more. And then we'd really love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's again, brilliant. It's all about the packaging. If it came in like a wooden box with a felt line area. And <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I just don't like Present, presentations, being... everything. Every, absolutely. Look, I don't like D&D &D being just a game of beat sticks. Like I want ta ta tactics in there. I want you guys to think of unique ways of hurting the enemies. Yeah. Uh, and if you can remove resistance from an enemy, that's that's just it changes. Every, it changes the whole game. Giving players more fun options, I feel like, is never necessarily a bad thing. And this is a fun option. This seems kind of like one of those items you might give them early, and then the party and possibly the DM forgets about for a while until it comes in handy. And you're like, holy shit, they had the injection of dog poison. This is one of those things I could see you, Saul, you know, mm -hmm. giving us at like level one. And then you hit like level 10, 11, and you're like, oh, that's on my character sheet. And that's exactly what you, you know, wanted us to realize. And the DM smiles. One. Yeah, yeah. It all comes around. Yeah. You know me. You've gotten to know me very well. That's exactly how I play. I just got chills. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to give it a rating? Let's yeah, do it. Let's do it. Um, I'm going to lead off. I really like this one. I, I, uh, I like everything, uh, but I'm. <laughs> You guys know me by now. I'm going to go with eight Dr. Jekylls. Mm. There's not many um, negatives to this weapon. 
And uh, I'm right there with you. I'm going to give it eight face masks. Uh, I'll go next, I guess. Uh, like everybody else, I'm pretty positive on this in case, you know, everything I said leading up hasn't made that clear. Um, little, I'll go 7.5 uh, stabby stabs. Hmm. So I do have some issues with it. Um, the low DC, uh, that 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 kind of gives me a little bit of a mm, because of the fact that this is a one time use. You inject somebody, you and would. if they resist it, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it does counter with that high poison damage of four die six. So that being said, I don't like the saver die. I would like to see something else. Well, hold on. I'm sorry. I take that back because I just read the other part. Even on a successful saving throw, they still take only ah. they still take half damage and they yep. still get that that penalty. Hmm. I thought it was half with no radiant. No, it says they only take half damage. So they the become vulnerable to radiant damage would still exist. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's absolutely separate. So I would rate it seven rising suns only because I still feel the constitution saving throw is a little low. For a one-time use <laughs> object um but other than that i love it and i would love to see more variations of it um i think for what it is it's pretty cool uh i'm gonna give it 6.2 syringes Ooh, 6.2 baby all right and once again that comes to us from the instagram is at bonus underscore action patreon.com slash bonus action we haven't talked to them hit them up if you do, let them know you've heard about it on Dice Advice. And Hagar, can you make a guess as to what the average is? Um, 7.8. You suck. It's really close. 7.34. Ooh. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> Are we doing Price is Right rules? Because that was over. Yeah, now he wins. He still wins. Well, well, Price is Right, you would lose. But yeah, but that's okay. No, Those you can go over. You can't go under. No, no. Price is right rules is Vice versa. No, without going go over, brother. That's oh, you right. lost. Sorry. Price is right. <laughs> the price is wrong, bitch. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not a 70 year old woman who watches that show. Whoa, <laughs> I grew up watching Price is Right. Bob Bark. Adam Sandler and Happy Gilmore. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on <laughs> down. That's why the CIA uh, did not take Barker. I don't, I don't know about Drew Carey, but and Aaron Paul was <laughs> on uh, fucking Price is Right, man. All right, guys. Jesse, that that's why uh, the CIA didn't take Harry. Mm, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't accurate enough. Nope, nope, nope. All right, you guys ready to call it a night? Let's uh, break for our sponsors. Portions of this show not affecting the outcome have been sponsored by the unsung heroes of the apocalypse. First, we have Fleischmann's Active Dry Yeast making unleavened bread in the end times. No, thank you. Reach for Fleischmann's Dry Yeast. That shit'll make your bread rise. Fleischmann's Active Dry Yeast. Also brought to you by 20 Mule Team Borax. Got a stain in your dungarees from a long day in the field? Looking to make your kitchen countertops shine like new? Got a vassal of fire ants wearing on your last nerve? Try 20 Mule Team Borax. <laughs> it's a funny sounding and long ass name, but it gets the job done. 20 Mule Team Borax. One ingredient, many uses. And uh, we also have One Read, uh, a new sponsor. And uh, it's a real simple company. And uh, their name is Pants. And pants by pants, 
Pants by Pants is one of the, the strongest companies out there. When you're looking for fashion, when you're looking for comfortability, when you're looking for everyday wear, wears, tears, and uses, Pants Brand Pants is going to get you there. So if you want to be comfortable, you want to wear something that you think is going to look good, you're going to peacock around town. Well, guess what? The quality's in the name. Pants Brand Pants. Thank you. And... We love you. Yeah, I heard they were kicking around a uh, slogan of uh, pants. You should probably wear them. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I'm sorry, guys. I don't wear pants to these sessions. Oh, we're going to change. We're gonna Wait, change we that. know because we're there at the table with you. We can prior, see. Prior to tonight, I would have said I wouldn't add it any other way, but we're going to have to I might have to some. get some of these pants by pants. <laughs> And as always, brought to you by Slappy's Peanut Butter and Jim and Nancy's. <laughs> I forgot their name. Jim and Nance. Jim and Jim and it's Nancy. It's Jim and it's Nancy, right? It's Nancy. Yeah, it's Jim, just Jim now. They got divorced. <laughs> oh no, Jim's. Yeah, they couldn't handle being uh... isolated together for more than two weeks. Ooh. All right. Well, we're, we're Nancy we're, started Nancy's knives. I think. Frank and Nancy's. Well, once once Nancy sends a check, we'll we'll sponsor her. But as of right now, we're sponsored by Jim's Jam Jar Emporium. <laughs> Jim and only. Jim. Yeah, yeah. We don't just, have a wife. Just Jim. He's renamed it. Just Jim. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a wife, but yes, we've got jam jars, and now we've got more. <laughs> it's the only thing he kept in the divorce. Holy shit. <laughs> Somehow they're, they're having a, uh, a festival. Kept the jar. <laughs> once, uh, kept the jar kingdom. <laughs> once everything settles down, uh, it's Jim Jam. Yeah, Jim Jam. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, Lisa, get Nancy on the phone. I need that. I need that check. <laughs> oh All shit! Right. All right. Well, wherever you guys are joining us from, uh, the the coziness of your couch the isolation of your back patio, the sprawling expanse of your front yard. We want to thank you from the bottom of our heart. <laughs> this has been Dice Advice. And until next time, slather yourself in peanut butter. Holy shit. Kid's full of himself now. He gets a little volume happy. And now he's off to the triggers, off to the races. Well, all right. Well, you got the sound. You got the noise. That's on you now. You're the big man in charge. You're the man now, dog. You shake it up. You spice it up. You let him have it. You let him know what time it is, kid. You're in charge. We all know who's the man with the microphone. That's you, pal. You give us the noise. You bring the heat. Still the same? No, it sounds yeah, great. That's dude. good. That's perfect.